0: I'm gonna take the bet that says every one of us has something in our life that we're holding back from Jesus. Every one of us has this little bit, this little part of us, this thing. Maybe it's something that you do that you wish you didn't do, but it's just the only thing. Maybe it's something from your past that you don't wanna deal with God yet. Maybe it's a word that you like to use, how you kill stress in your life, anxiety. But we got, we got to just lay it all down. Like Colin said in the beginning, we can't do this like halfway stuff anymore. It just doesn't work. It does for a little bit. It feels good sometimes when you're at church, but then you turn the corner and you're not at church no more and, and you find yourself in your room and you're just like all alone. And you have no unity with God because that thing is nagging at you. That thing says you're not good enough. That thing says that You made all of the wrong choices today and that you didn't surrender to Jesus. So maybe we just need to lay it down at the foot of the cross tonight. Maybe we need to be willing to just divorce that thing and say, I'm done with it. I don't want to feel that way anymore. But step one is acknowledging, hey, I do feel this way. And God, I need your help because I don't want it anymore. Father God, I just pray over these students right now. Would you, would you work and move in them? Would you just reveal to them that, that thing that they need to lay down at your feet tonight? Would you anoint John's lips as he comes up here to, to preach tonight, as he comes up here to just bring a word? Would it move in the hearts of the students? Would you move us all to respond uniquely to how you're calling us tonight? Would we take it seriously? Would we be real? Would we have so much fun in the fun moments and then just lock eyes with Jesus when we're supposed to so that we can come out of this place feeling just a little bit closer to God? And we can keep doing that day in and day out, whether or not we're in this building. We can just lock eyes with Jesus and trust that you're right there alongside us, that you want what's best for us, that you don't want us to feel disconnected, but you want us to feel unity. You want us to feel oneness and closeness. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, you guys can work your way back to your seats. I'm gonna invite Mr. O. Hey, Jason, would you grab that for me? This uh, table, yeah. Pastor O' Gates, come on up, dude. Guys, would you give your uh, Pastor John O'Gates a big round of applause? Thank you for being here with us tonight. We're excited. This is really high. Or we're just not very tall. There's a stool. Just don't sit behind it. Yeah, for real. All right. Hey, you want them on this mic? Four. Four. I'm gonna go find it. Don't worry. There it is. All right, guys, one more time for John O'Gates. What is going on,
1: students? You guys feeling good tonight? You guys ready for God's word? Come on, I like it. You guys got a little energy tonight. That's good, that's good. Um, How many of you guys is your first time here? Nobody. Oh, one? Come on, right here. Did I miss anybody else? Did I miss anybody else? Welcome, welcome. It is my wife's first time here too, so you guys are like, First time guest together. It's amazing. Hey, last time I was with you guys, I was recently engaged and I am excited to announce that I am newly married. Why don't we throw a picture introducing my wife, Kylie? Uh, she is the sweetest soul in the world, but knows how to throw down and put me in my place. And so uh, it is great to have her with me tonight. Can we give a little honor to her? She's my better half always fun to travel and do ministry with your person, but um, if we have not met before, my name's Jono, and um, I'm a traveling evangelist, and I have the opportunity to travel the country and preach God's word. How many of y'all know uh, that is an incredible, incredible opportunity that I do not take lightly, and so I want to give honor where honor is due. Can we honor our youth pastors, Pastor Cole and Jessica? We love you guys. We honor you. Come on. Can we give it up for them? Can we put our hands together? You guys are amazing. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be here and to connect with your students. Um, I got a word that I'm excited to preach to you that's going to be a little different. And so I wanted to maybe, if I'm feeling like it, sit in a stool and kind of have a little more of a conversation with you guys tonight. Is that okay? Lord knows I probably won't. I'll probably get up and holler and scream a little bit. But you know what? Hey, if the Lord leads to it, it's going to be good. But if you've walked in here, I just felt like the Lord gave me this For someone in the room, if you've walked in here uh, feeling beat down and you're feeling really discouraged, can I just encourage you that you are doing so much better than you think you are? Like, can, can I just remind you, can I breathe some fresh life into your sails and let you know that God is doing so much more than you think he is in your life? And I'm believing that one moment in the presence of Jesus could actually bring breakthrough in your life. And tonight, I wanna to go back to the beginning. We're gonna to go to the book of Genesis. How many of y'all brought your Bibles? Come on, let's go. That's fantastic. Okay, we're gonna be in the book of Genesis, chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's one on the screen right here. It says this Once when Jacob was cooking, we're gonna be looking at two characters here. This is gonna be Jacob and Esau, they're brothers, they're twins. It says, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. Why don't you turn to the best person next to you and say, exhausted. Come on, everybody. I need a little participation tonight. Exhausted. There we go. He said, I'm Exhausted. And he said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is my birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So Esau swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau the bread and the lentil stew and he ate it and he drank it and he rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. I want to talk to you guys for the next couple minutes around this thought. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. That's my message title if you're taking notes. Don't take the bait. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for these moments that we get to come and gather together as an incredible student ministry. Lord, I pray right now that you would do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything any of us could ask, think, or imagine. God, I pray that you would meet every student where they are. God, I thank you that when you meet us, you don't leave us where we were. You take us to where you're calling us to be and who you're calling us to become. So, Lord, we give you glory and honor tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen, amen, amen. I'm just gonna be like 100% with y'all tonight. Is that okay? Can we just be like real, real? Uh, I felt like an immediate connection when I was with you guys last July. And so I'm just gonna bear my heart to you guys. We're gonna have like a group therapy session. Is that okay? Sound good? Y'all are like, give me the tea. Like I'm ready. Um, I want to confess something. I want to get it off my chest, and I'm I'm hoping that this is a safe space. Like, there's not going to be too much judgment. There's not going to be too many people that are going to be, like, looking at me differently after I confess what I'm about to say. Is it a safe space? Two people, thank you. I'm going to be looking at you guys. Okay, um, I just want to confess something. I uh, love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, okay? Like, Like, you think it's just, like, a casual... Like, love. Like, nah. Um, The one thing I realized, how many of y'all remember the year 2020? Like, kind of a crazy year, right? Like, we had a lot that happened. Um, No big deal. But I realized um, 2020 was a year that really didn't create my dysfunction. It really just exposed and surfaced my dysfunction. There's a sermon in that. Hello. Um, And I realized that I had an addiction to eating Reese's peanut butter cups. Now y'all think I'm joking, but I'm so serious. So you remember when they're like, hey, we're gonna lock down for two weeks, okay? I literally, for two weeks straight, every single night, had a huge bag of white Reese's, those are the best, come on. Like the eggs, the white Reese's eggs, delicious. White Reese's peanut butter cups, I had probably, 25 to 30 Reese's every single night. Y'all, after those two weeks, I think I gained like 13 pounds. I felt horrible, but I was like, they're just so good. I can't stop eating them. Now, I had this little bit moment of a wake-up call. I was talking with my pastor, and he glanced over at me eating all these Reese's, peanut butter cups. He looks at me and goes, you kind of have a problem. And I was like, do I? (laughs) Like, you don't know me. (laughs) Don't judge my journey. But I realized, like, okay, maybe he sees something in me that, you know, I need to probably moderate how much candy I am consuming. So starting 2021, I decided I'm going to start being a little more, like, nutritiously minded. I'm going to start swapping out delicious Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Hallelujah, holla back. God's chicken for some Cobb salads. Now, don't get me wrong. Those are still delicious, but it is no sandwich. But I started to realize as I was eating cleaner, I started to feel healthier. Who would have thought, right? And I started to uh, lose some weight, and I started to feel more energized. I had more cognitive clarity. Like, I was feeling fantastic. And um, something you should know about me, I am kind of what you'd call an all-or-nothing person. Okay? Like, I don't do things like havesies. Like, I go all the way or not at all. Just, just ask Kylie. And I remember I got so strict with myself that I would, like, I, I found myself feeling miserable. Like, I'm like, I cannot enjoy life anymore. Like, who would have thought all of your time hanging out with friends is around food? It's around Taco Bell. It's around Chick-fil-A. It's around the good stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to just to, to, to literally make myself be saying, I'm going to create this thing called a cheat day. Now, a cheat day was an event for me. I made it unlimited access to any type of food. So I was like, I'm just going to like pig out. Now, I remember, I'm going to talk you through one of my cheat days. Y'all ready for this? Safe space, right? We, we're going back to that safe space? Okay. Last time I shared this, I got judged. So I'm trusting y'all. So, uh, usually it would roll like this. I don't really eat breakfast, not too much of a breakfast guy. But I would usually, uh, for lunch, I would get about four bacon cheeseburgers and a fry. (laughs) Safe space gone. (laughs) Safe space gone. I'm gonna sit behind this little desk and talk to y'all from here. (sighs) So, four bacon cheeseburgers large fry. And I realized when I got home, I'm like, you know what? It's a cheat day. So I stopped by a gluten-free bakery. Picked my, don't you laugh at my intolerance to gluten, okay? Uh, I picked myself up a gluten-free carrot cake, like, like a, a massive slice, consumed that like it was a piece of a cookie. But that night, I was invited over to my friend's house. They wanted to hear about the ministry and how traveling was going. And my friend's wife served mashed potatoes and meatballs, y'all. Devastating. I had nine servings. Y'all, this is not a safe space. Y'all, like, you playing me. You saying it's safe, but it ain't safe. Like, so I got home, and I'm like, you know what? It's a cheat day. So I stopped. I run up to the grocery store, I pick up myself a whole box of gluten-free Oreos, and then I get myself the family, sh- <laughs> y'all this is too much, the family sharing size, it's just for individuals, not families, of the, the peanut butter M&Ms. Y'all, I thought we agreed it was safe. Okay, I ate both of those within 20 minutes. Let me tell you, I like couldn't stop. It was so good. Those Oreos are devastatingly deadly, okay? Um, I could not sleep on my stomach. Like I was that full. But how many of you guys know, just because it looks good to you, doesn't mean it's good for you? Like just because it looks good, just cause it sounds good, just cause it feels good, hello, doesn't mean It's good, and one of the things I've learned in my journey of following Jesus is good doesn't always mean it's God. Because there's some things that can satisfy your soul and still starve your spirit. There's some things that can fill you for a moment but leave you completely void of meaning. And tonight... We're going to talk about something that's really exciting. Tonight, we're going to talk about temptation. When was the last time you heard a sermon on temptation? (laughs) Oh, man, y'all saying yesterday. But I believe this topic of temptation is an important one because the reality is every single one of us have all experienced temptation. If you're literally breathing in this room, you and I have all experienced moments where we have fallen short of God's purpose and plan for our life, where we've dropped the ball, where we've fallen short of God's intended purpose to us. And I want to talk specifically about the temptation to compromise. What is compromise? Compromise is accepting less than God's best for your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, compromise. Compromise is settling and accepting for less than God's best in your life. Now, I wanna be clear about compromise. I'm not talking about two people meeting in the middle in a relationship. I'm talking about compromising your vision and your God, given values. I'm talking about compromising your character. I'm talking about compromising your calling. Come on somebody. How many guys know? Every single one of you guys has a God-given calling placed on your life and in your spirit for you to fulfill. And I see so many believers who compromise consistently where it forfeits the calling that God has placed in their life. And I believe that God has more for you and I tonight than for us to just go through the mundane of life and settle for less than what God has for every single one of us. But the truth is, before we can really dig into our text, I need to set the groundwork. I need us to understand that compromise is really complicated. Because many of us can recall moments where we've compromised in our life. Like we can recall times in our life where we've Done the very thing we said we would never do, where we've said the thing that we swore we would never say, but not a lot of us understand why we compromised. Not a lot of us understand why we keep going back to the same temptations and the same tendencies that are contrary to God's calling and God's purpose in our life, because here's what I've found we're really good at as people, specifically Christians. Like, can we just be really honest with ourselves? We're really good at addressing the surface issue while avoiding the soul issue. So we go around to people and say, hey, stop getting drunk. Stop sleeping around. But we never deal with the actual need Desire or belief in their life that keeps driving them back to the very thing that they know isn't good for them or what God has called them to do. These are just the surface issues pointing to a deeper soul issue. And we have so many Christians who would rather talk about the new life in Christ and tolerate the old lifestyle that we're supposed to kill. And so we're living with new purpose, but we're still walking with old habits. And so many believers are still crippled by the lifestyle that they were supposed to be set free from. And we have to go, as believers, beyond the surface issue. We have to go to a deeper soul issue. And hear me, students. It is your willingness to sit, reflect, and confront the areas of your life that keep driving you back to the thing that you know is contrary to God's calling over you, in you, and all around you. But let's be honest, this ability to sit, reflect, and confront is difficult. It's hard. Because it's far easier to deny there ever being an issue than it is to deal with it directly. But I believe God has called us river of life youth to address the soul issue today. And I believe that God has a high calling for every single one of you. And I believe that you and I were made for more. We're made for more than the mundane and the mediocrity. We're made for more than the status quo. And I believe that God has a greater purpose for you than to give into every impulse, every tendency, every temptation that you feel. And I believe that there's hope I believe that there's freedom that can be found in Jesus, but we cannot stay naive. You see, Jesus literally says in John 10:10, the devil, yeah, he's got a strategy. You wanna know what it is? It's to come, steal, kill, and destroy. It's pretty simple. But I believe it's absolutely imperative for us to not, to not be unaware of the tricks that the enemy uses. Because listen close the first trick that the enemy uses to destroy your calling is simply this deception, deception. If, if the devil cannot destroy you, he will start by deceiving you. The devil wants you and I to settle for less than God's best in our life. And the devil wants you to take the bait. See the devil knows that the first step to destroying your calling starts with your decisions I've seen so many believers who would rather play with temptation than have a plan to prevent temptation. I've seen so many believers who would rather flirt with the line than create a boundary from ever going near the line. And can I tell y'all, people don't just randomly end up somewhere. People, their life direction is often a reflection of repeated life decisions. Like, and we're surprised when things are blowing up in our life. We're shocked that we're still struggling, but our direction and oftentimes our even destination is just a reflection of the choices that we have made consistently. And hear me loud and clear students, God has a plan for your life, but you also play a part in that plan unfolding. And so this text is so interesting to me because here, The Bible zooms into these two brothers, here's Jacob and Esau, at a pivotal moment in their relationship. These two, from the moment they were born, were constantly at odds with each other. Like, they could not have been more opposite. The Bible literally says, they they looked entirely different. One was like, well-kept, and the other one was like, a hairy man already coming out of the womb. So they were completely opposite from what they looked like to what they were even interested in. And the Bible says that Esau was born, he had a hairy garment all over him. Somebody get that brother a waxing kit. The Bible says that he was a skillful hunter. He was really good at hunting and catching food and bringing it in while the Bible describes Jacob as more of a quiet, reserved man. Someone who is familiar with the tents, which basically implies that he's a really good cook. Now, what's interesting about this is Esau was the firstborn, which means that Esau carried this thing called the birthright. Now, the birthright, listen close, in biblical times was given to the firstborn, which carried the inheritance and the promises that would be passed down from Abraham. So Esau, by default, since he was firstborn, was given these things because of this position. It wasn't a matter of his performance. It wasn't a matter of his intellect. It wasn't even a matter of his worth, but his birth. There's another sermon in that too. Interestingly enough, the Bible tells us that these two boys were born and Jacob was described as holding on to the heel of Esau's foot as they were coming out of the womb. Now that's where Jacob got his name, Jacob, which in Greek literally means heel grabber or supplanter, which can be interpreted as someone who is trying at all costs to seize at any moment to get ahead at someone else's expense. It's someone who tries to come up from behind and get ahead. Another way, interestingly, if you look at the Greek word in the Hebrew word and the root word of this name, Jacob, you will find that it literally can be translated to deceiver. You see, all throughout Jacob's life, Jacob was constantly trying to get what had not been given to him. Hear me loud and clear, students. There is an enemy that will try to seize your peace and rob you of purpose at every opportunity you have. He's strategic. He's actually got a plan to destroy your life. Like, church is not just about you coming in here sitting and checking out. No, there is a war and there is an enemy who hates you. And he literally will try to seize what God has given you before you ever see it in you. And if you and I are going to protect what God has given us, if we are going to stand against the enemy and his plan and his schemes, then we cannot stay naive. Hear me, students. My one and only point tonight is simply this. Remember that compromise always has a cost. Remember that compromise always carries and comes at a cost. See, this is the plan of the enemy. He wants you to think that your compromise literally doesn't cost anything. But hear me, the devil always hides the price tag. I remember there was this time I went to the DMV because I got a new car. Before I got this new car, I had a pretty junky car. Now, I had to go get some car tags. Now, my understanding of paying for car tags with my old car was they were like fairly inexpensive, like $70 to $100. I roll up to this DMV, happiest place on earth, and no joke, I'm sitting there and I'm like kind of thinking, okay, maybe like the new car is gonna be like 120 bucks, something like that. Um, and the lady goes, okay, that'll be four twenty-five. dollars I was like, wow, that's cheap, $4.25. This lady looked at me, she goes, sir, $400 and 25 cents. I'm like, what? Are you, that is wrong. Just take my left leg while we're at it. But the truth is students, compromise will always cost more than you think it will. Compromise will always cost more than you want it to. Like think about it, a car tag is really small but it carries a heavy cost. Compromise always looks small in the moment, but will always carry big results. See, people don't just end up somewhere. They end up where they are from repeated small decisions that bring them to the destination that they're in. You don't like your life right now? Some things are out of our control. Don't mishear me but the things that are within your control, what can you do to align your life with God's vision for your future? Compromise always is going to cost you more than you want and it'll take more than you realize. And this story is so interesting to me because here is Esau, and the text communicates communicates to us that Esau has just come in from a long day hunting and working in the field, and this dude is famished. And imagine, like, you ever had it where you come home after a long day of work or school, and your parents are cooking a delicious meal, and you just sniff it in the house the moment you walk in the door? I imagine that almost being Esau. Like, he literally comes in there, and He's like, (sharp) 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 that was gross. (laughs) Someone do that. (sharp) He's like, hey, what is that smell? That that smells amazing. Now, I want to just take a note right here. Notice the timing of when Jacob made the stew. I believe that this was strategic, and he was trying to get Esau to give up what he needed most when he expected it the least. Verse 30, literally says, hey yo, let me get some of that stew, I'm starving, I'm exhausted. Time out. Just a tip, temptation will always look most appealing when you're tired. Like so many of the things that we fall into as believers are not necessarily, I don't wanna negate the spirituality here, but. If we just started like hydrating ourselves and getting adequate sleep and adequate nutrition, I wonder if that would give us the emotional stability and the cognitive clarity to make more rational decisions. Just a little side note. So my proposal to you is this, many of the decisions that we've made where we've compromised may not be because we are some horrible person. Woo, praise God. What if it's because we were just tired And we were not taking care of our soul. We weren't taking care of ourselves. We weren't doing what we needed to do to, to stay up to guard with ourselves and protect the very thing that God has placed over our life. See, the enemy will always attack you when you are most vulnerable. You want to know where you're most vulnerable? Look at where you're most defensive. Look at the areas in your life where someone pokes and you freak out. That's where the enemy's gonna try to go. The places that you and I want accountability to the least are the places you and I need accountability the most. Check this out, verse 31. So Esau asks for the stew. Jacob replies. He literally says, verse 31, okay, sell me your birthright. He's like, good, you want this stew? Okay, hand over the very thing that only you have. Give me the very thing that God has given you and you can have this. Now, one of the biggest tricks that the enemy will do when it comes to temptation is he'll convince you that you're receiving something every time you compromise. He'll try to present compromise as a fair trade that it'll benefit in you some way. And this looks promising because it looks like a transactional experience, but the enemy cannot directly take what God has placed in and on your life But you can give it over. You can surrender it. So here's the deal. He will give you a counterfeit, a fake. It looks real. It tastes real. It feels real, but it's not the real deal. And the counterfeit may fill you for a moment. It may look like peace, but it leaves you with anxiety. It it, it, it may look good, but it's really not from God. And how many of you guys know when what you see inside of you begins to look less significant than what you see in front of you, you're more likely to give in a compromise. And Esau literally says, verse 32 What good is my birthright to me? I'm about to die. Now, um, let's just think about this practically. What good is my character? What good is my purity? What good is my calling? What's the point? It's just one hit. It's just one moment. It's just one time. It won't hurt anybody. My character doesn't mean anything. My friend, your character is either being created or it's being corrupted. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. So if you can create your character, you can also corrupt your character. And here's literally Esau replying. And I don't know if this is a literal statement where he's like, I'm literally on the edge of death but he literally, how many of you guys know when you're, when you're exhausted, you can exaggerate and everything's a big deal when it's not a big deal? You begin to blow things out of proportion and then you get desperate and you start to lack discernment. You don't always think straight or see straight and Esau gave up and traded in. What set him apart from everyone else for some stew? Y'all, stew's nasty. Like anyone even in here had stew? Two people okay there's a reason it's cheap it's gross and some of you guys have been selling your character for cheap fulfillment some of you guys have been settling for less than god's best for a quick fix because when you get so focused on what you want in front of you you forget to protect what's inside of you because if the devil can get us to not see the significance of it we're more likely to trade it over and give it up so we we literally don't see any point in the formative years of our life because we don't see significance to it we don't see any point in being someone of character because we don't see any significance to it. Can I just tell you, your consistency in this season of your life is significant. Your character is significant. Your faithfulness is significant. Esau gave up something that was eternal for something that was temporary. He gave up something that was so large for something that was so Truly at its core, small. And here's what I've learned what I want isn't always what I need. Think about that. What I want isn't always really what I need. And sometimes the only way for you to know what you need is to not get what you want. I'm grateful. That God did not give me what I thought I wanted. I'm grateful that it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen in my life. And the enemy will always present you with what you want to keep you from what you need. This is the strategy. And I wonder if the reason so many of us give into what we want is because we don't trust God to provide what we need. Can I just encourage some students who are waiting on God to give you what you need? God will give you what you need when you need it. Don't try to rush God. Worship team, you can come on up. I thank God that he didn't give me what I thought I wanted. And Esau in this moment, he gave up what God had given him when he gave into what looked good. He gave up the long-term benefits for momentary pleasure because when you lose sight of the significance of your calling, you will accept the counterfeit. And I guarantee you Esau did not think through what he was about to do. I guarantee you he didn't realize the impact of his decisions, how to affect his future, how to affect his purpose, how to affect his future generations of family. Because hear me, students, you may be able to choose your choices, but you can't always choose your consequences. You can't always choose the fallout of your decisions, and all because Esau lost sight of what was significant to him and in him. I find Esau's response so interesting to Jacob at the end because he freely gave in, he freely gave it up, and then it says in verse 34 that he literally despised his birthright. Like, he showed contempt Hatred, disdain for his birthright. This is interesting. He, he despised the very thing that God had gifted and given him. The thing that set him apart from anyone else in his family. The thing that set him apart to prosper, to flourish, to experience life blessing and abundance. He despised it. And that word despise in Hebrew communicates a sense of seeing something as worthless and meaningless. And I wonder if some of the problems that we encounter in life are not because we value something too much, but because we value it too little. Students, if you truly knew what God has placed inside of you, if you truly knew the plans and the purpose and the destiny that God has for your life, if you truly knew that God had exceedingly abundantly more than you and I could ever ask, think or imagine if you truly knew, you know, I've heard it said that temptation is just sin asking for permission. How many of you guys know, whenever something has to ask permission, it means it's under submission to something. Can I just remind you guys that you don't just carry a calling? You don't just carry a God-given vision. You don't just carry a God-given value. No, you carry the very presence of Almighty God. And see, it starts with a revelation and an understanding and realization of not just what's over your life, not just what's on your life, but what's inside of your spirit. And when you get a revelation and a realization of who, not just what's on you, but who is in you, it changes the way you talk, it changes the way you walk, it changes the way you live your life. And so the things inside of you become greater than the things that are in front of you. And can I just remind some students at River of Life Youth that God is greater than the thing that you're facing right now. That he is bigger than the temptation that you feel every single night. It changes everything when you understand what you carry. Think about this. You and I have been entrusted by almighty God to be carriers of his presence. Like, let that just sink in for a second. I think we can come into church so many times and hear the same themes of messages, in the same themes of the gospel, in the same message of God and His love for us, that we genuinely become calloused to the reality of what God has done in our life. Students? How long do you want to keep staying in the same cycle of sin and temptation? how long until you're fed up what if tonight you received an understanding of who god is and what he's placed inside of you what if you realize that there is a calling and a purpose that goes far beyond and is far greater than your current struggle and can i just remind some students that came in here tonight if you're struggling Good. It means you're still standing. Let your struggle be a reminder to all of hell that God is still working inside of you, that God is still in, in front of you, that God has more for your life than you giving into what you feel and what you see. Students with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know who's in here, but man, you're going through it. You've been giving in to the same old thing, the same old temptation, the same old impulses, the same old tendencies. And tonight is a night that you'd say, you know what, I choose, I choose to encounter God. I choose to make a decision to want more of God in my life. I choose to be reminded of the truth of what I carry, I choose. You see, you having more of God is a choice. Takes a decision on our part. You want more of God, move towards God. It's that simple. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in the room, no one looking around, I wanna know who to pray for tonight. I wanna know who's been struggling I wanna know who needs a revelation of God in their life. I want to know who's standing up today and saying, you know what? I'm no longer compromising my convictions. I'm no longer compromising my calling. I'm no longer compromising my vision and values that God has placed in me. No, no, no. Today, I make a firm stand. I stand in my convictions. I stand on this vision. I stand on this calling. I may struggle. I may fall short, but the Bible says even though the righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up again." Students, you're not defined by your failure. You're defined by how you get back up again. So in this room, if that's you, you're one of those three. You, want to, you literally say, tonight I'm resolving my convictions. I'm no longer going to be living in consistent compromise. I'm going to pursue what God has for me. I'm going to get a revelation of who God is. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. That's you in the room. Come on. Come on. God has more for your life. There's more for you. You're saying, I want more. I want more of God. I want more of his understanding, more of his revelation. So God, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. God, I pray for a supernatural revelation of your grace and your power and your purpose and the plans that you have for these students. God, I pray that they would not fall prey to that their life will just be the mundane, that their life will just be the status quo. God, I pray that you would birth vision. You'd give them revelation of how you see them. God, I pray that they would leave thinking differently. They would leave speaking differently. They would leave literally getting a divine vision of who you've called them to be and what you've called them to do. So, God, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, students. Let's stand to our feet. Let's rush this altar. Let's give God what we got tonight.